On this episode of the podcast, we plan a road trip. Jared admits he's afraid of the dark. And I reminisce about the wonders of adolescent petting. I'm Jared Nichols. I'm Paul Tulin. And this is the most inappropriate and best pandemic ever. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Best Pandemic Ever podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jared Nichols, and the other host, Paul Tulin, is also on board with us today. And you are not going to be listening to an episode where it's just the two of us going back and forth, repeating ourselves for an hour and a half. We have a very special guest, Lucas Benkin. Now, Lucas, there's a lot that goes on to Lucas. What's most important to us, though, is that Lucas is an army brat. Lucas and I went to high school together. It's really all about me. This whole show is about me, if you haven't figured this part out yet. But more, <laughs> but more importantly, Lucas, Lucas is a documentarian, an actor, a writer, producer, director. The guy is just, uh, he's just a walking, can I say ball of talent? Or would you prefer a different shape? <laughs> Lucas, welcome I, to the show, I, man. I do like circles. I do like circles. Yeah, I remember that Back about you in high theme, school. Yeah, it's a theme of like my my website. And more specifically than just circles, I like spirals in that if mm. it's going to circle all the way around, that you're a little up, like on the on the on the pass around. Yeah. So you can like look down where you were. So you're not like you're not. Oh, I'm back here again. How do I get back? to the beginning of this again, I'm like a little further away. But as you, if you circle around a mountain, you can't, you can see the path like 12 feet down from the circle down there yeah. and like 50 down <laughs> and then the like, and then the 30 up, you know, and you keep on circling up. So you're at least spiraling upward, hopefully. Yeah. Paul, downward. what do you, Paul, what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. I think that's an apt description of this show. Most of the time, <laughs> except it usually spirals into the toilet. So <laughs> Yeah, I think you're in a good place. You, you, have, you have landed properly with your analogy. Well, that was nicely done. Nicely done. So seriously, though, uh, welcome to the show, man. It's, it's, it's great to have you on here. Uh, yeah. One thing um, that I'll, I'll uh, start off with, which, Lucas, we have not told you this, but um, since our last conversation, our conversation, you, me and Paul and you, when we were talking about uh, taking the best pandemic ever on the road, Paul and I have taken action on some of those things. And Paul... I'd like for you to go ahead and, and share with Lucas here and to our listening audience, what are some of the things that we have in the works yeah. based on so our conversation probably with Probably the most significant thing, I think, is this, and we don't have video, but I'm going to show it to Lucas, this two-by-two two sticker that says the best pandemic ever podcast. Okay. That's what we consider. Yeah, I'll hold it up. See, best pandemic Excellent. ever podcast. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. This is what qualifies as progress for Jared and I. Yeah. We actually got off our asses and coordinated enough artistic talent between the two of us to create a two-by-two two sticker, which we will distribute on our van trip. So we're going to take you – so we're taking your advice, and we're going to do uh, localized regional van trips. Uh, surprisingly, finding the van is the hardest part. Apparently, with all of this stay-at-home delivery service, um, the, the, the boom in delivery service – Vans are really hard to come by. But we talked to a, a very friendly gal at Enterprise Rental here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. She was very uh, enamored with the idea of the best pandemic ever, our ethos and our message. So she's going to try real hard to get us one. And, and we are hitting the road. We're going to take this gong show onto the road and uh, see, who we can, see who we can talk to and get, and get perspectives from, from the street. So we're doing the first one's going to be kind of regional in Charlotte. That's yeah. on the 21st of November. 23rd. 23rd. Isn't it the 23rd? Did you change the date? No, I think no, it's, it's the 21st. Oh, maybe it is the 21st. 
Yeah. Oh, oh no, 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 yeah, you're right. That's right. Because I'm coming down to brag on the 23rd. Yeah, sorry. Correct. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's so Lucas, that's thank you. Amazing. Absolutely, that's incredible. I'm yeah. so excited to to hear the uh, the action plan and well, the movement. So here's an that idea. That was all you, man. Yeah, that was man. The, those were all your great ideas. I mean, because yeah. we had yeah we had just had dumb ideas, but you kind of brought us back down to earth and was like, hey, man, try this. And so, yeah, we might be actually able to pull that off. Yeah, yeah. And we'll go into Incredible. more. We'll, we'll want to talk to you about that outside of the show for sure. But one thing I'm really proud of is that uh, uh, we've also got this. Paul can, So this is genius. Every episode for the best pending member starts with Paul opening up saying, on this episode of the podcast. And he came up with this idea to, you know, we have the best pandemic ever podcast, big magnetic sticker we're going to put on the side of the van. But then one that's even longer that says, on this episode of the podcast, dot, dot, dot. And then we have a QR code that if somebody goes over it, it takes them right to our homepage of what that is. It's like, this is awesome. So we got really excited and proud of ourselves. So, I love that. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes. Yeah, that's it, man. You're yeah. going on the road. We're I doing... love it. Yeah. So I love being on the road. I did, I did that. Uh, with my last documentary and it's such a joy it's so it's just fun it just adds a fun element and and the tough difficulties are also fun and and every time you can turn around and say well at least we're on this strange random road trip frustrated yeah <laughs> so what's the thing that's gonna that that you know about because you've been doing this for so long that's really gonna kick us in the ass we don't see coming It's just the stuff you don't see coming. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more about the spiral, Lucas. <laughs> yep, you, you don't you don't see it, and it's new and and specific for each one of us. So yours yours will be for you, and yours will be for you, and mine was for me, and uh, <laughs> and I, I mean that it's it really is because the whole point is our our life is the journey, right? And so so it's it is meant for your journey. And, and, uh, and I believe that I believe what, what we spend our time presently doing, like the reason we're being, you guys are being sent on the road to do this together is for that is for all the things you plan and specifically to bump into those things that you didn't know were going to be there. That's a good way of looking at it, man. I, you know, every time I talk to Lucas, Paul, I feel like we, all of a sudden there's like a, this, I have this deeper sense of purpose with the best pandemic ever. You know, very zen. It's very, very zen. zen. Yeah. And I just yeah, feel like, man, he sees something in us that we have not thought of yet. <laughs> and then we go and take action on it. Now we've got a van trip, you know, a Charlotte van trip that was going to be great. Yeah. So this is good. So now we just yeah. go and, so and it's, let the journey you know, be. You know why I messed it up? It's October 21st. That's when we're heading out. It's October 21st. So it's pretty soon. That is oh, that's soon. coming up. Yeah. 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 As long as yeah. we yeah. secure the van. But we have a backup plan. We're going we're gonna to grab my dad's white truck. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go in a truck. Yeah, well, if we have to. I mean, if if you really can't find one, uh, so the way the guy, the guys that I just sent on the road, um, I use a site, and I don't know how large it is in your town or state, but a site called Turo, T U R O. Yeah, yeah, we followed that. We yeah. couldn't find anything. Nothing, Nothing in your neighborhood. Nothing. Okay. No. Yeah. And there's another great site. Uh, ironically, it's mostly in Atlanta, and they're all trucks. And they had exactly what we needed, but there's nothing in this region. It's all yeah. Atlanta. I can't remember the name of it. It was great. I mean, it was great site, great it's, prices. Coyote, uh, but um, no, it, it it was something else. It might come to me. I'll look it up while we're. Well, guys, you know, while I mean, that's that's my passion. Like, uh, I'm gonna see if I can find you one. Oh, hold on. Your passion yeah. is finding vehicles for other people to travel around in. Lucas, <laughs> well, I my things are producing things into reality. That is true. 
So, so from the thought into the plane of existence, into physical form. So uh, let me see if I know anybody over there. I like that. Yeah, awesome. Nice. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. We, we searched, you know, rape van. We searched candy van. We, we searched a lot of options, and really nothing's coming up. It's just... I mean, it's just gonna it's gonna look horrible. Just the two idiots in a plain white van, no windows. Yeah, so yeah, it was Paul's best van, uh, like a snatch and grab. Uh, no, yeah. it's like, no, kidnap. No, no, no wonder why we couldn't no, find anything. No. Oh man. So. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe an ice cream truck company that's uh, not doing deliveries right now. Oh, oh no, see, that's that's money. <laughs> that's money. <laughs> that is that, fantastic. Man. Jeez. Yeah, you know, oh, people see? right now. Anybody, if anybody's still listening, they're like, "Is this going to be a show? Or are they just going to talk about their own little, you know, trip?" You know, but you <laughs> know what? Yeah, yeah. Could be. so stick could around and find be. out. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the that's the beauty, well, and this isn't and this isn't uh, you know pejorative or to diminish Lucas, you know, your success. But the beauty of podcasting is that you know interesting people and interesting stories are not you know the famous people don't have that market cornered at all. You know, and so this just always turns into us chit chatting with people and it goes, you know, and it's just it might as well be a three way phone call that somebody else is listening into. But I mean, because people's interactions and exchanges and conversations are just interesting. People are interesting, you know. So, yeah, in a lot of ways, it's just us, you know, BSing about whatever is coming up. But but we can move on from we can move on to, from our big adventures well, and, and, I, and I, see what's going on in Lucas's life. I, and I do have a I have a, a more serious question for Lucas here. Uh, because this is a lot like Paul going on his road trips. Lucas, uh, you know, whereas Paul went on his road trips uh, just out of, you know, carelessness and no, <laughs> not, no, not, no, those were legit. Those were totally legit. You were, you were going on working trips. So, you know, Lucas had to do the same. You were traveling around. I remember you were shooting uh, documentaries. So you've been shooting, you know, traveling around the country, interacting with people. I, I really want to hear what your perspective is you know, because a big theme in this show was we really point out that so much of what we're being told by the media, and again, we could beat this one to death all the time, that it's on the left, the right. There is no left. We, we, we figured this out with our, our last episode with J.B. Mustard. We all agreed on this, and Paul pointed this out. There is no left or right media. It's just corporate media. All of it's incentivized to get you, you know, to, to suck in your attention, keep you preoccupied, and to spin the narrative however they want to. But when you go out and actually interact with real people, you you, you – prove that narrative wrong. It doesn't mean that there's not suffering. It doesn't mean that there aren't places that are doing worse than others. But in general, right, you know, I, I would double down on on the decency of, of human beings. I would. And, you you know, and I, I think part of that, too, is the way that you and I grew up, Lucas, as army brats. Paul, you moving around the world being 22-year active duty. Uh, you know, this, we interact with so many people. I think maybe our perspective is, is geared that way, but Lucas, what are you seeing? Um, and what does your, your gut tell you about where we are now and, uh, and what's really going on in the world? Well, thank you for having me and, uh, <laughs> thanks for bringing this topic up. Um, I, and you're talking about presently, you know, right now, yeah. uh, yeah. how yeah. people, yeah. In the midst of this pandemic and with like their lives. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been interesting. Um, you know, as, as we all know, it's, it's really gone over an arc from March till now, October and just a, a wave and, uh, and the shift and change and ups and downs through all of it. Uh, so presently, um, today and, uh, and recently in, 
in my experience, uh, people are are tending to venture out uh, a lot more than they they were. You know what what I noticed was an unknown ha- happened, you know, to all of us, and and so myself and and each person really navigated being confronted with a massive unknown, like as if and and as if an alien, you know, came and and stood there, and it, and it's it's how we assessed that uh, has been our our experience of addressing it, and so uh, you know, for me, what in order to answer your question, can I jump back to like the just the the wave that I went through? Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that. Yeah, because this no, because I mean, this goes right, yeah. Paul. I mean, this is all like you know, so much of what we talk about is what what are you seeing with your own eyes? What are you experiencing? Yeah. Right. I mean, you're not going to have the answer for every person out there. Sure, but Paul yeah. does. But you and I yeah, will not. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it it's been an experience of you know my my first. Uh, response was in the way that however those first few weeks were was kind of a shock and kind of just a complete loss for what what is happening what what is anything what is what are people saying what it are are the scary things true are they not is it real not what can I trust what can I not because like you're saying you know we can't we, we only can know as much as we're told through certain groups and then certain friends and then certain people. But all of that was so very different that now it's just like a multiple choice question that has like 32 options. And, and, and is any of them even right? It's just, you know, it's just an unknown. Like I'm stuck at this question and, and I can't move past until I answer this question. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm going to be sitting here a while. Um, and so there was a real big section of time for me that was a little bit of a pause and a, and a shock of kind of just sitting, thinking, how does this affect me? How does it affect my business and my life and what I'm doing? Um, and what, and what do I do about it? Uh, but for me and my industry, everything completely stopped and and halted um you know i i think for some industries uh things really picked up quite quickly like that week yeah. you know the next week my my whole everything stopped because i travel a lot and i do a lot of uh on set activity with groups of people and i gather groups of people together to work together closely uh from crews in, on you know on the set to actors hugging and holding hands and kissing so uh that all had to stop in in every which way yeah and and so there was this and i was about to head to oklahoma to to do a a film and that that stopped and so all of my schedule went away for, you know for the next nine months and then and so just to jump to now and then i'm happy to jump back and forth but so presently, a lot of my industry over the last many months, there's been a lot of uh, time for all of these organizations to build structure around and protocol. And so we've gone quickly into the mode of 
building at least a protocol that can be applied. And so all of our production has geared up quickly and still nowhere close to what was. And it's, and it's affected every production, but a lot of production is going back into play. And so recently I've been able to start some productions on the smaller scale, uh, documentaries and documentary guys going on the road to film interviews and having protocol in place and what they sign and, and, uh, and how they interact in other people's homes and bringing people into rented Airbnbs that are quality checked for cleanliness. And then, uh, and then moving into the planning of getting larger groups back together, the hundred crew members and, and cast to, to stay together in close proximity for 20 to 30 to 40 days. Um, and so, but my, my experience has been a lot of reshaping. I, w- I was really able to reshape what I did with my company for the last many months and figured out that a category of film that can continue is editing and post-production. Uh, so I can, if I have footage, so anyone with a finished film that was finished being shot could uh, edit their films with an editor who's in his own place and screen share and directors watching content. And so I dove right into finding some documentaries that were ready to be edited um, and had footage. And I was able to find a few of those and really re-diverted what my business was activity-wise uh, those few months just doing that. And I could also create schedules and budgets for feature films because that's a between me and another guy and we're making those and breaking down a script and virtually being able to do that and so i crafted you know that to be some of my business and drew in some people that i knew that needed those for their scripts and so instead of being on set running a production i started growing that company and it really helped uh me reshape a lot of my plans for my company and and how to build a, a kind of the definition of a startup being creating a perpetual model to to fund itself and supply people into that that uh yeah churning so <laughs> what you're saying is you and, didn't uh, just sit down on your butt and wait for things to get back to normal right you took action uh, no. no not at all and but that's been my whole life that's the only way i i i have ever I, I'm very much an entrepreneur and I've only ever made up work to do um, and just made it up. You know, even even the whole acting time, it's going to find a, a gig somewhere in some way and make make a make a project and then see if that project has any value. Um, so, yes, after after that shock and sitting and thinking um, quickly, quickly created something. Yeah, I'm um, definitely. So, a, uh, hey, Lucas, creator. let me ask about the very beginning. Yeah. So when you first, when things started first going off the rails in terms of the things you were able to do that suddenly began to be quite restricted by, you know, by, um, you know, measures that were not self-imposed by measures that were imposed externally, what was your, I guess, risk perspective at that point, And did it change over time? In other words, at the very beginning, we were like, man, screw this, just let me go and I'll go do it. And did that change over time? Oh man, I, um, it, I mean, when I say shock, like it was really like a shock. I, I felt I was very like stunned when I put together the, the seeming reality of what was being shared, which is this is affects the whole world. 
like all travel is stopping. People can't encounter each other. Like when I was when I was really accepting that and and seeing that and and watching that happen, which which I think was a good thing. I mean, even then it was it was very much a uh, like a freeze of time, like everything just stopped, and it was it was amazing to watch just everyone just stop, like sat you know sadly it was tied to some fear and 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 even more sadly like there were people quickly losing their lives um and so for those of us that didn't lose a close one or their own life like there was this witnessing especially if you like i didn't know anyone at the time like it was by proxy so in my experience the world just stopped to to find out what what is this and so i i thought uh I really wasn't thinking for a couple of days. I just stopped. I just was sitting shocked. It's kind of like, you know, if if you're almost hit by a car or if something almost happens, you that that stop is, you know, a few like moments, you know, some minutes, some seconds, some 30, 40 minutes. You're like, what happened? I, I don't remember well. Um, I feel like that was some days. Um, and then and then I felt like all sorts of things had changed uh, that didn't, you know. Uh, and I mean, I, I thought of anything and everything. I, um, I, so I'm an entrepreneur and I have companies, I have uh, nonprofits and I, I have businesses, but I realized like I don't have a degree that could get me a job in like, if I needed a job in, in a business, in a corporation. So I applied for college, uh, like an online college. And I was like, Catherine, I got to get my degree and, <laughs> and, uh, I got to get a degree cause I should have one of those and, and, and the world stopped. So what, what am I going to do? I should just go get like a master's in something, you know? Um, let, that's what I should do. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and I mean, I applied, like I, I went all this stuff, like I went to like storage to get like my diploma cause you know, just, they need that. And, just just a hundred things like I but I did like five of those other things like what am I going to do I guess I'll go to school I um I guess I'll uh maybe I should um start a online like selling company or I don't know like I mean just anything so yeah just, just went went for at a loss for what to do so you you literally were in shock like you're you're not you know because that sound like I, I mean, I, really think I was I it was like uh yeah I, I mean I remember just a few times just and I don't stop a lot so I remember like very much just sitting on a couch in in my office at my house which is which, which nobody was leaving their houses um just just like sitting like at a loss and and I I really do for me call call that a shot because I I'm never sitting yeah you know, I mean, I, I, even, even my sitting is very intentional. Like I will go to sit in nature for two hours to sit, you know, but that's, 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 I'm going there to do that. I'm not like suddenly finding myself sitting kind of lost. Mm. Never is that. You're, you're not blacking out and waking up on a couch going, wait, I don't so. yeah, yeah. yeah. Or even just down like, uh, oh, I don't know what to do. Just no, the re- and the reason I ask is because it seems to me we missed a golden opportunity to 
um, to assuage a lot of people's fear. When we could get to, if we could have gotten to the point where we said, okay, look, we, we kind of figured out these rudimentary things, wear a mask, wash your hands, stay away from everybody and then get on with your life. Like we didn't put that last piece on. We didn't give, we didn't give people the assurance that, that they could still go on with their life if they sort of did all the, uh, honestly, the most common sense things. Listen, you know, we talk about this, this remarkable effort that we did to wear masks and wash our hands and stay. That shit that we've been talking about since I was a little kid. Cover your mouth when you cough. I mean, my grandmother was yelling that stuff at me, you know what I mean, 40 years ago. That's not remarkable or revolutionary. But I think we kind of missed an opportunity where we were like, okay, well, we figured this much out. And we've gotten past, you know, slowing down, you know, flattening the curve, which nobody says anymore. But we slowed down the demand on the hospitals. And now start doing these practices and we'll start getting back to, you know, at least assuaging people's concerns. Instead, we went the other direction, you know, and I was I was listening and I never do it. I say this all the time. I always say, well, I never listen to the news. And yet many times I'm like, but on the news, I heard. Right. So but I heard them talking about it was uh, the, the guy that I, I, I generally like his disposition. Oh, uh, Lester Holt. And they were talking about they were t- talking about uh, Trump's tweet where he said, hey, don't be afraid of the virus. And man, they were banging on that. Like it was the most unconscionable thing he could possibly have said. And they kept saying, you know, and he said this in light of the fact that 200,000 Americans have died. I'm like, yeah, but I, okay, but shouldn't we all be trying to take a little bit more of a, of a, of a a calmer sort of, Hey, you know, this is a bad thing, but we, we have it relatively under control and we have simple measures to mitigate it. So you don't need to be afraid. Like, I think that's not a bad message, but I think, I think we lost that opportunity. And that's why I was asking you, did it change over time? Did you feel like, you know, you were less inclined to take risk as it went on more or did, or did it go the other way? Yeah. And for me, you know, I, I quickly, uh, assessed it over, over that little bit of time and, and completely was able to build my own risk factor and, and including other people's judgments or what they thought or what family thought, uh, started as I think each of us had to do build our own, uh, comfort level of how how I'm going to be and and what I'm willing to do and to, and also you know being a married you know man like supporting my wife's views and one you know and also semi trying to convince her of mine and seeing if ours are in balance because we have to do this together you know so you know are you comfortable with me going over here and doing this in this way like can I get on a plane you know, well, I'm not comfortable with that. It's like, or, or, or vice versa. So I think that was a, a variable uh, that was in play, but, but I'm a massive risk taker. And that's why I mean that every, you know, there's a group of people that, that live in fear of most of their life. And so those people are having a major concern. There's, there's a hundred, you know, if we divvy up the numbers, like how many percent of Americans kind of live in fear? You know, if it's 30 percent, like that many people are kind of saying, what do you mean? Don't worry about this. Mm-hmm. Like this is the most concerning thing. And I might die from it. I might be one of the ones. And and it's it's you know, I watch it and my kids. My son is a lot more fearful. He's seven and my four year old has zero fear, you know, and and one will do anything. And this kid won't like I mean, won't walk outside at like dusk because the start of shadows kind of scare him 
you know. <laughs> um, like, that, Jared has that too. Yeah. yeah, and I'm the oldest, you know. So and I think it's an oldest thing. That's why he hasn't thing, left his room. Yeah, yeah he I've been here for, for for months. Yeah. For months. Yeah, um, I'm not even sure if this is a real podcast right now. I, I could be hallucinating. <laughs> you could delirious. be a figment of my imagination. But thanks. Yeah. So. But I, so I really think, and that, and that's what I think happens with with the channels and and with the news. And then, like you're saying, sometimes there's an agenda playing on that, on people's fears, playing on people's fears. And then there's actually even the potential that, who knows, those, the guys who run those media departments and those organizations, what if they're just pretty fearful guys? Even if they're not scared to risk money, but they are literally scared to like go in cars near hills. What if they're scared of heights? What if they're, you know, who knows? But we do know that the the fear factor is comes into play of you know will i go into a theater and and watch a movie you know i i did i recently went to the theater to see because a um i'm trying to test out like i i hope our theaters come back and um my experience like i've gone to home depot and i encounter so many more people than i encountered at the theater, but you're sitting in a room at the theater for, you know, two hours or an hour and a half, but there were four people there. So I, I was 60 feet from those two people. Um, where was I more at risk? What was I more concerned about, you know? And so would I go if it was a packed auditorium, you know, or, but they aren't even packing auditorium. So it's rebuilding the trust of, it's that pendulum swing of, everything you know or nothing and then back to the uh okay now that the flights have adjusted to every other person and and uh you know cleaning so much more dramatically like am i okay and i think what you said those basic things it was incredible i think it was huge and i think i think so many people are less sick all around from all the other colds and sicknesses Literally, because everyone is just being a little more conscious, washing their hands and covering their their mouths. You know, I mean that that I think altered the rate of transmission of many sicknesses immensely. Do you think that's necessarily a good thing? I wonder about that sometimes. I wonder about you know the 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 um, how immune we were. The re, you know the resistance we had to certain illnesses and. I mean, I'm carrying many, 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 many things. Many I mean, I'm, yeah, I am a vector for a lot of international, things. yeah. Yep. No, but you know, you mean, I wonder <laughs> I about that too. absolutely a good thing because I think, I think we get enough, just like, you know, just like uh, the small doses can build up a tolerance. Like, I think we're going to be getting the small doses we need. It's, it's literally me sneezing in my hand and walking in the door and shaking yours that didn't need to happen. Like I didn't need to give it that to you that way. Like if I sneeze in my arm and I come and, and sit across the table from you, air droplets are drifting and, and probably giving you some, some stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, good, that's, a, that, that's a good point. I mean, we talked about that a lot. I've looked into it a lot, you know, the whole herd, uh, um, God, I'm 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 blanking out. What's immunity. it called? Her, yeah, just herd immunity, right? Herd um, mentality. Whole idea of, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. The whole mob rule that seems to be working right. out really well. That's no, the that, one. The, you know, the whole herd immunity and and the idea that you know, I don't know that 
that um, to me, the idea that, you know, we will always try that, that are that the way that we're going to live our lives from here on out. And I think some people think this or have been have been convinced that they should think this um, is finding every possible way to avoid every you know possible germ. I, I just don't I don't that can't possibly be healthy. That's not how our immune systems work. Right. I mean, they work by building up resistance. Well, by exposure. And, and the fact is, that's absolutely impossible. And so. You know, when when an individual thinks that they are even capable of doing that, one can already assess that they're not quite aware of how it works J just by just by circumstance. There's there's no way you can. I mean, it's it's traveling even without people. There are, you know, and or you're or you you will cross paths with people if, if you go outside and and if you don't and you only stay in a room and never encounter others, that, that, uh, that is the only way to not encounter people or encounter other things. But, but they, aren't, they aren't saying that that would be the need. So you, you mentioned little, going, yeah, you, uh, no, it's okay. You mentioned going to the theater. What do you think the future of, of the cinema is? Like in-person, live cinema? I mean, it's come a long way from the, you know, the, uh, the uh, the couples going out all dressed up in a you know in a dress and a in a jacket and tie that we don't do that I mean obviously that evolved but what do you think the future of it is now? Yeah, I, I do think you know it it's been going downward uh, as in like the the attendance um, and I think it's I think it's mostly due to uh, the growth of of home theater systems I mean you know we we can have 80, 80 inch hundred inch TVs, projectors in your house, like you know, I mean, for nothing, for for hundreds of dollars, um, that was it. Just wasn't possible, even you know, 15 years ago. That that size of thing, the flat screen, and then the expansion of that, um, because the half of the theatrical experience is is a big screen to feel like you're immersed, and and you can create that. And then you know, Jared and I have even talked about like the whole virtual reality space, like so a lot of that. When you go to the movies, even when you go with a crowd, um, most of your time was with your date or, you know, you were with the one. You didn't talk to everyone afterwards necessarily. It wasn't always a communal thing. The, the, the laughing together and, and crying together aspect um, was a part of it. But I think it's getting to the point where what we're doing right now, you know, three of us are together and we're not in a, in a room. Um, and so... It is getting into these virtual screening rooms where you feel like you're watching it together. You're seeing other people chat and text and pop up icons and react with thumbs up and claps. Um, and people are doing that on on a lot of these streaming sites. And it's it's provided. So I think it's going down. But I think they will always have, have it be there. And, and it'll be a, a more of a marquee event that, uh, that causes people to go out. I think we'll find ways to enhance it i've always wished there was a little bit more uh of what happens at like universal studios where they they uh have vibrating seats and smoke and like cold air like splash out of like air uh hoses you know that that mm -hmm. 3d experience adding the next element of you know out of the five senses like giving me some other senses so i think that may be a, a bonus uh but not all films lend to itself to that well i, th I yeah. think I, I, yeah, go ahead 
I was just going to say, until they can figure out a way to virtually allow an eighth grader to, to, to touch another eighth grader's boob for the first time, I don't understand how we're going to replicate the theater experience's significance for pretty much everybody. Like, I, how am I going to, how am I, oh, how, man. how are they going to make out for the first time without a theater? Like, Le- what's leave that going to look like, right? Like, they have to be there. Uh, virtual bodysuits, bro. Those things, the Japanese are way ahead of you, man. Way ahead of you. I tell you what, I think think Lucas is, uh, you know, the immersion thing with virtual reality, this is something Paul knows really well. I actually let him try out my uh, Oculus Quest headset, and he got his ass completely beat in a boxing round by this hubby, (laughs) supposedly trainer. This is like on the easiest level. Paul, 22-year active duty Green Beret, best of the best, my ass. Maybe real world, <laughs> but that, but in virtual world, he tore you up. Yeah. Tore yeah, you that, up. Yeah, that yeah, that was, was yeah, sad. You, you you can say what you want, and you could adjust to it. But yeah, that virtual reality really tricks your brain pretty pretty effectively, yeah. um, especially for the first time. But I will say you adapt to it though. You can kind of adapt to it pretty quickly. But each new thing that presents itself, you're tricked again. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of power in that too. I mean, there really is. I mean. Uh, yeah, when you you did the spacewalk, it was great. I got to watch them, you know, watch Paul and his wife doing a spacewalk virtually. But it really does because your brain doesn't know the difference. You know, even though intellectually, you know, like this and, is not real, but your brain still functions as though it is. And just to get like philosophical on that, that's why it so much matters. You know, I love that that saying. Do you know the saying of um, the only thing that evil needs to prevail is for good people to sit back and do nothing? Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. And 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 what that lends itself or what what that points at is you know the games that that will be played will be the ones that are made and mm-hmm. there's not even there's not that many there's the people that are making them and then those will be the ones that are played and so whoever's creating them that's that's the mentality and the thing and the type that will be experienced yeah. no matter what so so if at all times, like there's, uh, say, say there is a, provi- a provided for game that works less on fear and does more inspire creativity or generosity, like in the game, because the creator cared to do that on purpose, uh, that will be an option for someone to play. But if, if out of all, you know, 400 games... There's like two that that deal with encouragement and and giving like and there's 400 that deal with taking and and abuse or, or fighting or or battling over or trying to get just just out of, you know, whatever, just out of that's what those guys made um, and thought it would be fun and thought it was a game that that's how that's how much it matters. And specifically the same, you know, that's how I apply for my filmmaking and projects that I do that the the work that I try and put out at least has an element of something that that carries people forth and forward um, and then even to tie it into you know this pandemic my my instinct is how can it bring us together how can we come together out of it what can we learn and and how do we use it for for good yeah I think that's I think that's spot on um, because you're right one thing I've been, because this whole virtual reality has been a uh, uh, an interest of mine. I mean, and not just because I'm a futurist; it's because it's it's such a powerful 
tool that's very different than, you know, sitting down and playing an Xbox. And uh, one thing that I've taken away from it, at least as an adult, is that gaming in virtual reality, at least my attention span, is very small for that. Like there has to be a utilitarian purpose because the it's experience heavy as opposed to I'm just, you know, pushing buttons and making certain things happen that's kind of cool. Like I'm not manipulating things. Like you actually have to physically move around. There's this experience side of it, which is which is a wonderful thing. So like the boxing game, I, I would weigh myself, you know, just to see how much water weight I would lose. And I would go nine rounds in this boxing game and lose almost two pounds of water weight, you know? And I was just like, dude, this is, this is nuts. Like this is, this is a, real. This it is, is actually affecting Cause my brain my thinks I'm, I'm fighting. <laughs> now don't get me wrong. My body's not getting literally punched in the face. I should probably do some of that too, but my, I'm swinging and, and trying to learn how, you know, like my brain is, is trying to figure out how to do certain things. So I just think about the, uh, the impact that could have for us, right? Uh, if we're intentional about what we create and it really comes down to this, what experiences are we creating? It, which maybe I'm opening up a, a, a door here that will just lead to a dead end, but which is not unheard of for me. Right, Paul? No, not at all. Yeah. yeah. Totally normal. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you think this, if we, if we view everything through this lens of what experience are we creating, right? What experience are we creating right now? Because this whole pandemic is an experience, but then we as creators are creating experience from this. I mean, this is what Paul and I have done with the best pandemic ever in this podcast is this is the situation. This podcast obviously would not exist if the pandemic wasn't here. So I'd like to stop and thank COVID-19 for coming to visit us and inspiring us to this pandemic. Official sponsor. <laughs> Official sponsor of COVID-19, a best pandemic ever. But I mean, that's the point is that we take our situations just like you did, Lucas, and then we craft new experiences. And if those new experiences are intended to encourage the better parts of our humanity, then the impact of that long term will be much better, obviously. But there's also those that are creating experiences from this that have a that are playing on the worst parts of our humanity. I mean, you know, just look at like the fear that is being driven, like the 400 percent increase in gun sales and the fact that you can't find ammunition. And that's not about guns. I'm a gun owner. I can't find ammo for, for my guns. I can't. You know, it's nuts. Like everything is sold out because there is a there is a fear factory mentality that is out there that, you know, and the media keeps saying it's like, man, we might be on the brink of civil war. Well, you know, the more you talk about it, the more you're gonna encourage somebody to do something stupid. Right. So what kind of experiences are we creating? I think that's the big question that this has inspired me to think about is what experiences are we creating out of this experience? But those but those virtual experiences that you guys are talking about. They're very one-sided, right? Because there's no accountability in those experiences. Like you don't, even when you're punching that, you know, that, that fat bastard. No, I moved way beyond the fat bastard. All right. So when you're, when you're, when you're punching the real, the real boxer, right? Um, There's no accountability. You don't, you don't feel any empathy for having hit him. Um, You don't feel any, you know, there's no uh, emotional accountability for it. And it's all, you know, and he's not imposing anything on you. That that really that really matters in a real way, you know what I mean? So I think, I mean, I think that 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 starts to, you know, if if all of that experience is in is in virtual, is virtual, then it, it's going to be very one sided, don't you think? Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. The uh, on the virtual side of things, there. But I will say something on the two sided part of virtual reality. What I was speaking about more was the actual reality, like this pandemic, you know, what are we doing? Everything that we are creating out of this pandemic, not in virtual reality, but uh, what experiences are we creating for ourselves, for other people? That's the thing that 
this conversation's really gotten me to think about. Yeah. The uh, but on the virtual reality side, there's already the tools are already there right now. Facebook's on top of it because they own Oculus, where we can put on headsets right now, and our avatars we can interact with each other. We'll look like idiotic cartoons, I'm sure, but we can interact with each other, have this conversation in that space already exists. So there is some accountability in that. Now you're right. In the boxing ring, I feel no empathy for my virtual opponent, but I would I would kind of counter that. And yeah, little pun there with little boxing. <laughs> I'd counter that with what actual boxer feels empathy for their opponent in real life. You know, aren't they trying to knock them out? But I get what you're saying. Like if you're playing yeah, a shooting are, game, yeah, yeah. Know. But I mean, there's still a, there's still an emotional accountability. To, to I that think you're right. Well, I, I get what I, you're saying. I think though that same individual, like like you know, for instance, Jared, who does that. It's like me if I need to let off steam in my, you know, in my yard and and scream in my own world at myself or someone else. That if if someone comes into my space and encounters me suddenly, like I am acting different and feel different. And so, even the guy who's doing it virtually, if he does go and hit a person or is about to fight a person, suddenly that kicks in. Like, oh wait, this this one's different you know, than, than what I've been doing over there. And I know that I'm not in a private space anymore. Mm. Um, I think, I think that influences us, it, which is even brings us to this whole point of, we know like while I'm, while you're in your house, how we feel comfort level about this COVID thing. And we know if we, you know, if we go to a gas station and, and almost bump into someone at the door, like the thoughts come up now, like, wh- you know, what are they, what's their, Thing. Are, are they nervous about they don't have a mask on I I do should I take mine off to make them feel comfortable do they you know it's all all of it suddenly appears mm. yeah the, the thoughts of, of this other person um, and I've even noticed that there's such an interesting world like I'm 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 very not confused by I mean I know why I think they think they're doing it but there's so many people driving in their cars with their masks on or, <laughs> yes. like, you know, and it's, and it's, uh, I'm like, wait, do they, do they wear it at home? Is that what you're wondering? Or, yeah. or is, or do they know something I don't? Um, <laughs> but, uh, are the people that are walking by themselves down the sidewalk for a very long time with their mask on, like they could have it down. And then when they even get 50 yards from someone like, Oh, I see someone, let me put it on, you know, it's, it's a whole thing of encountering others versus being alone. Yeah, I like to chalk that up to just maybe convenience because I can't rationalize that one either. It can't, it can't just see someone drive by and be like, well, that person's an idiot. You know what I mean? Or that person's just a paranoid lunatic because they're, they're probably not. I mean, they're just they're human beings like everybody else. I, I often – so I, I usually rationalize that with convenience. I'm like, oh, they must yeah. just not even want to bother taking it off. No big deal. <laughs> no, they want to take it off. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah they're just, maybe that's what it is. But I, yeah – I mean, it it it, um, it is it is confusing. It's a little it's a bit it's a little bit of a head scratcher. So so what are the things then that um, you both hope never return and are really desperate to see come back? I I uh, I have loved. You know how? Do you know about like in farming where every seven years they like are supposed to let their field they don't don't grow anything on it for a year like for Mm -hmm. that season Mm -hmm. to let the soil replenish like i i think it was so important to to stop 
the pace at which specifically, and my experience is America, although I travel worldwide and I know that other countries do stop more than America. So for our experience and for America, I, I thought it was so extremely valuable to just stop and, and for our whole planet, you know, for all the planes to stop, for all the boats to stop, for all the cars and traffic, for the pollution of it all, for the, for the use of so much, you know, everything, use of so much everything, just that stopped for a few days, even the ordering of things, because we were nervous if could we get a package to the door without getting contaminated. So everyone kind of stopped. And we had, you know, most people had enough to like eat what they had for a few days until we figured this out. I, I think that would be incredible to have some form of that stay. And, and I think it will. I think people so drastically noticed the effect of the stop that it applied. And I've, and I've heard it from hundreds of people in every field, agents, managers, um, directors, producers, uh, studio distributors, like people working at studios, like all of them kind of amazed that they're at home doing business and getting to see their kids a little more people that just weren't around their children at all, like maybe four hours a week, you know, saw them on the weekends. So watching them be on a phone call at three o'clock and be, Oh, my, my kid in the background, but it's really neat. You know, I, I haven't ever, I've never seen them be a part of school and they're like 11, you know? Um, so I, I think people saw, and so I think they will apply it a little more like, you know what, I'm going to take a break. So I welcome that. And I, I do hope that, uh, that stays. Um, and, and that basic factor of this, I think it retold everyone the basics of, uh, washing hands, you know, and, uh, and covering your mouth. Like those, those few things, uh, can keep us all a little healthier. Um, and they're and more conscious of just being clean. Um, and then what the other side was. Uh, so that was what, what stays. Yeah. Yeah. What goes? I mean, what are you what are you so glad to see gone? Yeah. Uh, oh, well, what what went away from this or what I what, what do you I hope doesn't come back be over? Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. What we're um, not doing before the pandemic that, you know, stopped. And now it's like, yeah, let's not try to bring that one back. Yeah, I almost think it's uh, I think it's the same coin. I think it's that that uh, that that intense hustle to to never stop. Like I, I I hope that that doesn't come back to the point of detriment that that it does affect some where where people do miss entire entire lives, um, entire sections of years, you know, Um without stopping. So I think it's, it's the same coin. Yeah, we, we have. So, so what we realized at work was, you know, I mean, it's basically a government organization, right? So, um, we went to something called minimal essential manning. And so what happened was we, um, we ended up having about 75% of the people not in the office and, and I would, say there was about a 90% decrease in the amount of email traffic, meetings, and just administrative bullshit, but there was about a 50% increase in productivity. Okay, so what we determined, we've talked about this before, 
is that you know we really needed to figure out a way to prioritize productivity over presence, right? So that was you know, and that was and that all made perfect sense. And and I can tell you um, that I, I I saw it coming, and it's already kind of creeping its way back in where people are starting to look sideways at anyone who's still considering, you know, putting that in air quotes for those who can't see us still considering being, you know, teleworking, um, you know, this big, it's, it's already being kind of judged a little harshly and suggested that that person is, is kind of tricking the system or beating the system or being lazy. Um, and, uh, and so I, and I, and, and I, I think that cannot be, this can't be unique to my experience that it's going to be really, really hard to, to, to maintain those particular lessons as it relates to work, right? Because our culture is so, you know, has such a demand on, you know, such a demand on, on being there and working and long hours. And that's a, you know, a measure of success and a measure of productivity. And I'm already seeing it kind of creep back in. I'm fighting it tooth and nail, you know, trying to encourage people to be like, Hey, you don't have to be here today, you know, get your work done and go. But you know, and some people need to be there. Some people that's their social structure and that's good, you know? So I don't want to out of one side of my mouth say, God, we need to be, have more connectivity and people need to be together. And then on the other side say, Oh, but, but you know, nobody needs to come to work and, you know, physically be present because yeah. I do understand for some people that matters. Um, is it the same? I mean, I, I, I got to imagine your industry is pretty, is, you know, puts a lot of value on work, 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 work. And, you know, do you think that's going to, that pendulum will swing back hard or do you think you got a fighting chance? Uh, well, I mean, our, the, the, the section of business of the filmmaking of the filming uh, absolutely require there's no option about you know it's all holding hands and, and working together you know we're all holding things and you know we're either pointing lights or pointing cameras or in front of the camera and uh, and the whole team works together physically um, and in proximity with each other and that that can't change um, I yeah I think I think there's been a focus even prior to this happening on how hard the industry works and should back backpedal like crews, especially get worked 16 hours, you know, and other departments uh, have a little less because they're in and out before in after the crew and before the crew leave, they can leave. So that has been being addressed. And I think, I think this did help shake up a visible, reaction by the crews to see how hard they've been working including myself and uh and and holding parameters stronger and and building a better structure around keeping that safe now and then the fact that the the covid current protocol slows everything down we can't uh even accomplish as many hours as we did because it takes an hour on the front an hour on the on the back or more to run everybody through tests or protocol. And so uh, everything is a little slower just to get in and out the door. Um, so it's it's had its effect and it, it is, uh, it's gonna be there for a little while for sure. So what's the big COVID story you're gonna tell? You're the filmmaker, what's the, you're the documentarian. What's the uh, big story I already know the answer to this one. It's gonna be, it's gonna be the epic story of <laughs> the best pandemic ever podcast and how it became a national and global sensation. I don't know, I mean, have you guys not, uh, have you not read The Secret? I read The yeah, Secret. 
How we disappeared off the face of the earth and no one could account for us after one roadshow. <laughs> I like it. Hey, I'll, I'll tell that story. Let's do it. No, I think you're right, Jared. I think that's the story, man. I think it is, too. That's right. I think we should manifest <laughs> it. Oh, man. No, oh, sorry, Paul. Go ahead. You had a serious question. So, uh, no, no, that was it. I wanted to know. I, you know, I mean, I want to know what kind of what kind of projects this because because we the thing that Jared and I really like about this about this process, about the podcast process, about this podcast is we're pretty creative. We well, we tell ourselves we're pretty creative yeah, dudes, yeah, but it gives us like a creative outlet. You know what I mean? We get to do we get to fiddle with creativity and is, you know, probably at the <laughs> limits of our creative capability. Um but I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's your, that's your entire, your entire world. So I'm just interested, like, what are, you know, what's, what's, what's the project? What's the idea? What are the things that you're like, oh man, I never, so we got a, we got a, our friend Jamie was talking about this book that he wrote that never would have come to fruition had it not been for the pandemic. Like what's the, the thing in your particular area of expertise that is, you know, may come to fruition that never would have otherwise? Man. Um, that was a really good question, Paul. I just want to give you a shout out. <laughs> you know, I, 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 uh, yeah, I wish I, I had the answer because what I, what I mainly did, uh, was not figure a way around it, but figured a way to work with it. But, but I, I haven't been talking about it, so I haven't like found a way, a, the story to tell about it that interweave the projects and the focuses that I have. And so, uh, so I, I, uh, I don't know. I think, I think Jared actually, you know, pointed out the answer that, uh, it is, it is, uh, to be found, but it is stories like this that find the, what, what has arrived out of, out of it. And I have spent, uh, more time seeing projects start because of it and i think i would i would put attention on that on on the cause of new productivity and creativity that came out of it and uh and start by uh highlighting your guys' show oh what do we have a commitment here oh man <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> do you think is it like is it cleaning up your industry a little bit? I mean, because look, you guys get a really bad rap about you know the the entertainment industry, right? I mean, it's just um, you know it's just uh, well, I mean, it's riddled with all kind of criticisms and all those kind of things. Is it is it cleaning it up a little? Is it is it holding people in, a little? In which in which way? Like, because I just don't have a reference point for the because that's a big industry. Yeah, it is. You know what I mean? I, I think it. You know, it it has it has a. It has a reputation of, and I, and I guess I'm probably alluding more to talent than the the infrastructure of actual work that takes place where you reside mostly, because clearly you're not talented. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so why would you? So, if no, you were, you, you wouldn't be mean? on this show. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. So it probably has more to do with talent, but just just generally being in touch, disconnected from their audience. Same, you know, same kind of um, criticisms that a lot of of people that reside at, at very public, very high levels. Um, do you see that people being a little bit, a little bit br brought down to earth a little bit by this? Um, man, I don't know. I think, I mean, it's hard because it, your question is, is complex or it ad addresses a lot of, uh, can I, can I chime like, in on I, this? I have a different view of, of those, you know, 
Um, oh, good. Well, no, tell okay. us what the view is then. Yeah. Well, um, I, just, I just mean to say that, like, you know, often, I mean, and, and almost at all times, like most most of the the high level uh, talent, like they they also like th- their world is very is there is a an aspect to their world that is um, very normal and um not necessarily sought like they didn't they didn't seek necessarily to create all of the, all of the attention or all of there's a very minor few that that are a certain way you know but i find those same individuals way outside of the industry there's very arrogant or egotistical people on the planet and they're in every department lawyers you know uh CEOs and then also uh you know guys that make uh paper airplanes and and small small uh ideas and carpenters like there's the very extremely cocky arrogant like architect you know there's those people that act a certain way that are just pompous and above everything and 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 then there's hundreds of thousands of very you know famous individuals that that really um, are 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 kind of just in awe of what has even you know happened to their lives, and it's and it's kind of not their whole lives either. Like there's a a small part that's out there, kind of like a lot of people's jobs that you know we know you know the amount of time you work, but you have an entire life that none of your work people ever know about, um, just just due to just circumstance. I mean that's just the way it is, um, and and so. It is interesting. There is a reputation about it, but but that's just kind of like you're saying CNN, you know, says says this thing about this thing or, or a certain you know news pro- promotes it this way. But it might not even actually be that way, even at all. Um, I, I know you're probably addressing, you know, some of these individuals even say it about themselves or you're watching them do it. But there is that whole other world that uh, or that whole other amount of people that that do have that reach that are super down to earth and super chill. And, uh, and they were already down to earth and the people that weren't like, it, it was more than their fame that uh, has them thinking and acting that way. Yeah. That, you know, it's a good point. Cause, because that's boy, that's like a doctor heal thyself kind of, um, feedback because, you know, we say the same thing about, I say the same thing about everything is, is, well, where are you getting that information? And, and you know, you're making that assessment. And, and you're right, I'm, I'm making that assessment on information that's been fed to me. I don't know that. You know, so it's interesting and, and, and illuminating to hear it from someone who, who does, you know, to be like, yeah, man, it's not really quite like that. So, um, yeah, that's really, that's kind of eye-opening. Right on. My question, my question about the industry <clears throat> is how do you think this, I mean, and I think this ball was already moving, right, Lucas? So just correct me if I'm wrong here, but. I really am starting to think that Los Angeles is just going to fall apart after this pandemic. I mean, they're already falling apart because it's such a high cost of living. The restrictions in California are so high in the midst of this pandemic. There's so much movement that's been heading to Atlanta for almost 10 years now, really. More people moving out. out. I mean, do you think L.A. will still be L.A. in Hollywood after this pandemic? I mean, what, what, have, what are you seeing? Because that's you lived there for, what, 20 years? 20? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it will absolutely uh, stay there uh, for for a very, you know, 
long time and continue to be it it is you know it can't not be what it is um and and it is it has such a history and there are things that can't move to another place that that won't be moving to another place so for instance like a lot of production has moved here first first it was the places you know and the and the filming of the places and then the infrastructure of the you know grip and electric equipment and and items to rent to make stuff came and then there started to be agencies that have grown up to have you know more local talent more agencies and then crews and then the unions moved so that whole infrastructure to make stuff is here but i don't know any major uh agencies like on on the high level scale or or our main 10 agencies uh they they open a branch you know here um or there but their hub is is la and and um and the the heads of the unions and then our distributors and our and our main studios and our uh our like the premieres and the the history that's there and and uh the distributors so those that that kind of other level of uh creation that occurs and law firms like i don't think you know all of the law firms that that oversee all of this right yeah. are moving to atlanta or dc or you know colorado springs or kansas city um yeah. that that is there and those that is a lot of people you're right yeah and and uh, that's a lot of wealth, you know, and, and access and funding. So, uh, but I, I agree there, there is a, a big shift, but I don't think, um, I think it still has its, its entire vibe and, uh, and, and beauty, you know, to, oh, yeah. to it, you know? So, yeah. so yeah, you like I mean, smog? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, so yeah. as you were talking, Lucas, it made me think that there's a difference between that, the infrastructure that has been there for a long time. I think the big thing I would wonder is, all the people who want to get into the business, do they are they still going to feel the need to go to L.A.? Or with Atlanta becoming such a hub, for example, more people moving there. Is more, I mean, as you clearly recognize, like, oh, my God, the dollar goes so much further <laughs> after being in an L.A. for so long. Yeah. That was a big shocker to me, by the way, when you and I were working together out there. I could not believe, I mean, the cost of living was so high. Even if you were a recognized, you know, consistent actor or actress like you and your wife Catherine were like it's still like geez man you know unless you're an a-lister out there who is all you know doing all the big movies and this and that that is that is not an easy place to live and so it makes oh, me no, wonder in the midst yeah. of all this if especially with this rise in virtual technology and as as vr is is rapidly accelerating to run auditions using this technology where i don't if i want to be in the industry i don't need to move to la I can be super talented yeah. where I'm well, at and, in the middle I've of the country. I've actually always witnessed half the time, you know, once I saw someone rise past a certain level, they would go grab their their cabin in Idaho and fly in when when the films or half of their films were already not in L.A. So, so the people that did get to a certain level were likely living outside of L.A. because a lot of us, you know, actors came from elsewhere like yeah. a number of people from la aren't from there so they were you know finally i'm going to go buy my my land back in seattle or texas or you know rhode island and and go home and and now i have enough relationships that my agents you know i'll come in for eight auditions or i'm just offered movies and then yeah. i'll come into la to, to have meetings and and do that so like you're saying that that group 
had the capacity to either stay or go. Um, when, yeah. when I can't, I can't fathom. So I spent some time in in uh, this in the last six months. I went to California twice. I only got almost down to Los Angeles. We drove down from San Francisco, so I was in San Francisco both times. I couldn't fathom. I was, you know, I was doing a lot of Zillow searches. I don't understand how people, work a day people can can live there. I just don't. I don't get it. Like my house, in which is a in the Pearl of the South, square foot, three bedroom. That's right, in the Pearl of the South, with its redneck Riviera out back. It's above ground pool. Um, you couldn't get. You could not buy this house in the Bay Area for less than two and a half million dollars. Oh yeah. I, so I I just don't. I don't get and. And there are plenty of baristas and there are plenty of people, you know, serving food. And they're, oh, oh, yeah. how, how do they live? Where do they live? Yeah. I couldn't reconcile that. No, it is. It, it is a it it is a struggle. And that and that's that's the most amazing thing that I experienced, you know, moving was set the, the drastic drop of the experience of, of the struggle. And, and because you're struggling so long like you don't necessarily know you're struggling it's like it it is what it is you know it is what it is to live is there value in the struggle though is that where creativity comes from is that where you know well i mean both in i think there is a uh an an unaware or unhealthy level of of struggle and Hmm. uh and then there is you know the great the great aspects of, of struggle but i think yeah i think there is an unawareness there of what is possible elsewhere, especially for individuals that that don't need, you know, that that don't have to be there for a certain reason, um, and and don't need to be struggling necessarily. <laughs> so, uh, but I I wonder about that a lot in a, in a lot of circumstances. I wonder about a lot of uh, lower class, uh, lower income city. People, individuals that live in cities that just uh, their experience is like I think this is the only you know block that I can I can live on, not realizing that they could there is possibility of going elsewhere out of you know a very poor area of East Los Angeles um, that's you know 15 people in one apartment um, and and they're all like struggling and fighting over morsels. That that right that somewhere else, you know, a couple hundred miles away, could be an entirely different life. That that the work that they're doing could pay better. They could be spending less, and their environment could be better. Um, that's that's what I you know w- wonder about. Um, but it it proved itself that we all that I you know even myself had that thinking in the struggling that I was doing. Like I thought I needed to stay there and do that. There was some reality to my thinking, but there was also some assumptions. I wonder too if the you know if we have a skewed if we have a skewed understanding of what the struggle means for other people. You know, like in some way, are they happier than us because they're they're like, hey, we we have what we need to get by. What do we care about that car? Or what do we care about you know the in ground pool? Or what do we you know all these kind of things that we assume they're they're striving for? Where they might be like, we have our family and we're all together and. We sit down and eat, and life is rich. You know what I mean? I wonder about that too. If we're, you know, kind of missing, maybe, maybe missing, missing the mark, you know. And I just, I wanted to go back too on something um, about Jared talking about, you know, virtual auditions. Jared, 
they they can tell you no thank you from virtually anywhere. Oh, hold on. Because I was just waiting for the right opportunity to make a joke about (laughs) you pursuing your second career. You piece of shit. Man. Too slow. Look oh, at man. you, Come dude. On. I should have interrupted Lucas. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Paul's not doing that. <laughs> and you snuck it in. Touche. Touche. Ah. Yeah. So if I wanted to uh, try out, <laughs> I don't have to move <laughs> to LA. <laughs> no, they can tell you you suck from anywhere. I, I absolutely so know there is a value for, for actors and otherwise. I mean, after a few more months, the pandemic really affected things. But I think. There's absolutely a value to being there, you know, to being being somewhere, being physically able to meet um, meet with people and, and do certain things, you know, pandemic aside. Uh, like there there is no doubt. The reason I can be for me, I, I feel so confident and comfortable being away from L.A. is because I built. I have a world there. I built a, a 20 year world there. I have roots there. I have access there. I, I now, you know, have how the an, machine I, works. I have an office there. I have, I have, I have two offices there. So I have things there. Um, that, so, so my experience is, uh, I have it there and I can be here and I'm expanding, but I still have the ability to function there. So for someone that did want to get into the industry, I I know that there is um, value to being in person in in the city that that creates it. Just like because there is so much, there is movies being made on every corner. Every every coffee shop you go to, someone's talking, you know, about the script they're writing. They're they're actually filming right next door. That guy has a camera, and and you're it's it's a, you know, it's it's there. You yeah. know, it's and, and so you you definitely feel that and and that's a part of it. Um, but I do think that uh, it is it is starting to be here in Atlanta. I I am in coffee shops and hearing people talk about their scripts and movies and and so that's why this has become a uh, a spot that is a, a, another filmmaking town. Yeah, you think you're going to keep all those offices and that you all the all your brick and mortar facilities? Because I know a lot of people are like, nah, I don't think we need all that. I know commercial real estate folks are a little, uh, have some real concerns about the viability of their future because a lot of, uh, although I don't know, man, I don't yeah, think people I mean, are going to stick with like, that. I would say, like, I have an office that uh, that has a, a couple other, like, there's a three production companies or, you know, two main ones. And and we have editing facilities and we are editing movies. So I, I need that. Like, I, I need to keep a place for to hire an editor that can go and edit on our machines that that has power to three rooms and connected and we're able to share between spaces um that is an absolute uh, need and then the other space is a nonprofit that is an individual that's running that nonprofit, and, and we do work there and we have equipment there and we're renting equipment and, and using equipment and making content and uh, and holding meetings and events so that those those places um, absolutely hold value, but, but you're absolutely right. I think what I'm noticing is a lot of our, our agencies, those are definitely, you know, dwindling down. They, they started to see, like you're saying, you know, there's so much more productivity and their agents are at home. And, uh, and I think a lot of, uh, brick and mortar offices are going to lose, 
<laughs> you mentioned this. You mentioned it before at the outset, and then you just mentioned it again, and I really, I'm, I'm really interested. What is the mission of the nonprofit? If, if you feel like talking about it. Uh, well, that one specifically, uh, I have a, I work with a couple and have a couple, but this one is called the Bromont Program, and it is uh, run. It's, it's former incarcerated making films and telling their own stories. So they, uh, this, this group is a partnership and stemmed out of an organization called the Anti-Recidivism Coalition. Uh, do you know anti-recidivism, that, that word or that term? Yeah. It's, it's the yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I, I, know a, I know a few people, not well, but I know a few people who are in the business of um, uh, second chance opportunities, you know, helping yeah. people to find, you know, post-incarceration opportunities. That's so their on focus my, here. On my last film, I hired 13 uh, former incarcerated or and another word that's being coined recently is systems impacted because it is like there's such a a world of our formers or, you know, individuals that were impacted by the system that uh, that heavily affected them at a at a rate at which wasn't necessarily deserved. While at the same time, uh, there were some things that they did wrong, but perhaps didn't deserve all that came to them. Um, and so, yeah, that's a big passion of mine is justice. Where did and that come from? My I've always I've always cared about justice and, and unjust things happening. Uh, it, and my work into that started with a relationship with my uh, entertainment lawyer who was working with a couple organizations, Anti-Recidivism Coalition and another one called Inside Out Writers, which teaches writing on the inside for juveniles that had life in prison and uh, teaching them journaling and writing to, to write out their experience to deal with their emotions. Um, and, and little by little, I, I grew my work with uh, learning about that. And this organization, Anti-Recidivism Coalition, has an apartment complex called, that was on a street called Bromont. And they had about 40 apartments. And they would transition guys from prison into this apartment instead of them going back to where they got in their trouble and sets them up with how to get their driver's license, how to get a job, and this apartment with others who have now been out, you know, seven months and now can give you a little bit of insight into how to transition back into life and stay away from your old life. And, uh, and in that space and with those groups, I, I was, that, that's what I love about the position of being a producer is, is the control of choosing who is hired. And, you know, for, for individuals, for former incarcerated to get jobs, uh, it's extra work. It takes more time. You have to, you, the person who does the hiring has to care and want to try a little more to, to give that guy an opportunity. Otherwise, it's, it is easily filled by someone more uh, that's done it a few times before um, and uh, doesn't have a record, you know? And, and our system is built up to where if you are marked, you you will be marked forever and you cannot. So this second chance, you know, thought, but, but it takes more to give someone a second chance. So, uh, I, I intend to do that extra work to, uh, create those opportunities for others that were unjustly and unjustly treated. And I just, uh, you know, I don't know why it's part, just part of my personality. I just care, um, about, about that. And, and I care enough to, uh, 
to do something. You, you're doing that on uh, in on the West Coast and on the East Coast as well? 100%. Yeah, the, the last film. You know, I, I was a part of helping that organization at a time when they were getting this law passed called uh, SB 260, Senate Bill 260 in California, which uh, proved that, you know, that the, the male mind, so this dealt with male individuals, uh, isn't actually fully developed until, you know, and, and there's a word out, is it 25, is it 23? 26, right, yeah, 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 so, yep. But this law said at least 23. And, you know, there were kids getting convicted of life in prison for an action they did at 17. Mm -hmm. Life, you know, double life, 60 years, 100 years, you know, 200 years. And and this law said, and, and without parole, and this law said, look, if he's not even an adult yet, can he be held accountable as an adult for for this action? And so it said, if they have served 20 years of their life sentence and have had no trouble, let's at least give them a chance at parole. Uh, you know, so the 17, so they're 30, you know, 47 now, you know, 50 years old. They've been in 30 years. You know, they're 55 years old. Uh, can we at least just see if they've had any change of heart since 17? Hmm. Uh, and that law got passed, which which got hundreds of, of individuals out that were incredible people doing incredible things with their lives. You know, people assume like jail equals, you know, everyone in there is uh, pretty much a bad guy and a bad person. And and it, no, not a chance, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, three months later were, were regretted what they did, never wanted to do what they did. It was a stupid action like like we all do. You know, and are are we our worst action? And that's that's what I've always found. Like, I am not the worst thing that I've ever done. And and if I was always pointed at the worst thing that I've ever done, that that is me, that would be horrible. And and the fact that, you know, some people get to know that guy's because his life is public um, mm. strictly by the fact that he did something. It's public record because because we said that that's allowed. He's not even famous. It's just search his name. So that uh, I, I went a lot of ways. So the piece of um, passing that law, and I, I brought that up because the, my most recent film that I did here in Augusta, um, I hired a guy who my film dealt with even uh, this this court system and, and uh, unjust laws. This most recent film was uh, done on a baseball player named Willie Mays Aikens. And it's a, it's a film called The Royal about this uh, this individual baseball player. Um, Is that and, out now? Uh, no, we're finishing it. Uh, a guy named Eamon Joseph plays the, the lead role. Um, really neat guy and really neat story. Uh, but there was a, a gentleman who connected me to this guy who got out of prison you know it had been maybe three months um from a life sentence that he had served 20 years of uh for something he didn't do and they finally proved like oh it wasn't him the guy that said it was him lied and 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 now is saying that and there's all this evidence and it was hidden so he gets out 20 done 20 years for something he didn't do and uh he had just moved down here to to get away from up there because uh, just just to get away, and um, and he 
was connected to us and we immediately connected and i went you know again like i was sent this number like hey can you see if you can get this guy on well either i phone call that guy or not and then once i go to my partner producers and say hey can we bring on this guy to train him well now you know well why like let's just get a guy who might have you know another pa who's done a couple things you know well because of of this you know and and so when when i that's my passion is tying like purpose to things then then yes we're making a movie and a story but what what are we all doing and how did we do it because that's what i'm doing like the film's going to come out and a a lot of people are going to watch it that that i'm not sitting in their room with them but what was my time like? And that's what I'm always focused on is who am I putting in a room together and in a, in a place together for 60 days to do something together? And what is our experience like? Because a lot of films are made and, and people's entire experiences are horrible and, and dramatically life-injuring. They, they hate their, their time. They're being berated by a, a hurtful person, like a, a individual that's causing chaos at all times but if the movie's good it's worth it they say and and it's not true and all the people that it's that it's hurting aren't saying that um although sometimes they are sometimes they believe that you know what it's worth it it's this director it's this person it's this actor so it's okay to get abused but my passion is is creating an incredible experience as a producer for my entire team for the making of this thing so that we all experience that uh, and, and keeping that as at such an important level uh, to, to match the, the level of importance of the movie being excellent. I, I can't even imagine having been wrongfully accused and doing 20 years and not being completely embittered and broken and, and this guy hostile is and joyful person. So thrilled to have freedom and be, I mean, it is, it's mind blowing. And that's the whole point. You, these you 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 are consistently forced to reckon with your own you know your own ways because you know you you see that this individual's willing to forgive and has 10 times more right to be angry and destructive even now but they they've learned that's the thing they got to go to school for for 20 years they they took it as an opportunity to learn instead of instead of build hate they were like uh they've mastered so many things very often you know to, to for them to be able to say i i uh, i let it go or I'm, I'm not gonna let it take another day of my life i'm only gonna do this like how much could we learn from that and so i do i learn from from these wise individuals who have had this experience uh whether they even did something right, even if they did do something, how, how, how incredible for the, what they turned it into. Often yeah, like, we don't, I was gonna say, we don't have, we, or we seem to be losing our ability to provide opportunity for redemption. Like, it seems like, oh, and I don't want to, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of cancel culture or anything like that. But it seems like we are really losing our ability to appreciate the value of redemption and, you know, honest and the importance of 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 encouraging and tolerating honest mistakes. And obviously what you're talking about is, you know, pretty on a pretty grand scale when you talk about some of the things that the mistakes that some of these folks 
probably made. But even still, it seems like there isn't a lot of room for people to make mistakes. And I feel like that's that's the only way that you can truly grow and learn is by making honest mistakes. And as long as they're not, you know, repetitive, then then that's where growth comes from. But it seems like we're really, you know, we don't have a lot of tolerance for that anymore. Well, I think I think uh, there's only there's only saying oh lucas you still there brother there, and and talk. yeah oh, okay sorry yeah, you're here totally. oh, oh, no. no no everything's coming through loud and clear the, the problem is you're falling asleep nichols why don't you just wake up and pay attention <laughs> what, the, what the hell's going on yeah yeah but i'm the one recording over here so if you guys are getting choked up you know then uh you know <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I I think it is I, my I always am just keeping my focus on you know on the thing that I am wanting to see and and to have happen uh, versus um, like I I rarely think even even if it's a part of of the the topic that I'm talking about um, I'm always pointing at there's an incredible amount of redemption stories. There's an incredible amount of people focusing on redemption and working on this. You know, I'm always saying that in saying that I'm obviously saying that there might've been a gap before, but I'm never saying that I'm only saying there's, there's incredible organizations really on doing incredible work in this space. Um, and, and not saying there hasn't been enough of, or, uh, or, I think we've gotten to a place where that hasn't been there, you know, and, and it's just, it's just the angle at which, you know, which we speak about it. Cause there is, and has been a number of people working in this space for a very, very, very long time, a number of them. And, uh, and it's only, you, you mean the space of, a lot of, lives. of redemption and of, of helping yeah. people with second chances. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's knowing about them. It's, it's highlighting them and it's, uh, it's bringing attention, uh, to it. Um, but they aren't like, like we know with a lot of people, like they aren't necessarily all touting what they're doing. And so often it does maybe go under the radar because some people like even, even that documentary, uh, I did it some years ago called Mully, like a lot of people after they see it, they're like, how did I not know about this guy? You know, the thought is I should have known about this guy because he's been doing this rescuing children for 28 years and done such a massive impact. But one of the reasons why is just because he was just doing it like almost barely at all. Was he, uh, out telling people what he was doing, <laughs> you know, in a sense. And, and so that, that, uh, carries, you know, is, is, uh, the doing and and doing well it gets highlighted at some point it seems yeah but that's 100 percent it it's 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 less talk more action you know people who want to change the world and they want to they want to protest people into change they want to shout people into change they want to cajole bully whatever you want to that that's a lot of wasted energy just go out and start doing something do yeah. something that you think is going to have an impact and yeah i mean and and the irony is the people who are making those impacts they never they don't give a damn about the recognition. That's why you don't know a story because it takes somebody like you to come along and tell the story because they'll never tell it themselves because they're too too busy making the change. 
like doing the thing that's required, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Well, Lucas, there's something uh, we we uh, always finish up the show with, and that is the silver lining. You know, this gets okay. more on the, the personal side of things. So, uh, Paul, you tend to, to ask this question. Uh, why don't you go ahead and ask this question of Lucas here because you put it so, so beautifully. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we asked a little bit, but I think the question always is, but, you know, if there was, you know, if there was one thing that you had to say was the positive that has come out of this experience for you, what, what would it be? The time to sit and reflect on what I am doing and and how I am doing it and and then get to apply it. You know, it really created that time. Uh, and Jared knows this well, and it's it's the work that he does is you know helps people even re reframe what they're doing. Uh, but often I found that uh, even forcing to find the time to get to do that is difficult because you're jumping from job to job. So you're working and it's like, it's like a house project. Like, oh, I can get to that on the weekend, but there's a lot of stuff piled on the weekend. So even when I was going to give myself eight hours on Saturday to work on this, I got two. And so it, and that gets kicked to the following weekend. And that project took nine weeks instead of one just, just due to life. So it, it, for me, it, it created the gap in time. It froze time and it stopped it and, and, and stopped and took a breath and the world did it. And so in that, I really got to breathe and see, and I got to spend time doing, uh, well, what, what, what am I doing? Where am I? Like (laughs) what matters? And, it slowed it down and then allowed the time to apply it uh, even longer than I thought. Each time when I thought, oh, man, stuff is suddenly going to get, you know, fast paced. It was like, no, it's still a little slow. No, it's still a little slow. No, you still have a little more time to, to uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, and, and it really showed, you know, things that I thought it took to survive. Uh, other things made it still work. And... And, and I think uh, it really did bring people together in, in an incredible way, the world really, because we all went through it at the same time. So I, I witnessed, well, I know, and that, that's what I mean, you know, how I say like what I choose to point out or talk about, how it, of course, like there were things that took, separated the world apart. But my view is that the silver lining part is, is how much the world did come together and how much of it did uh, join together and see the similarities and how really it, it was a great equalizer, you know, rich people, poor people, high power, low power, like a virus is a virus, you know, a human is a human, get sick or not sick. Um, and it really balanced uh, yeah. all of us. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, well, it's all fun and games until the outlet at your pool catches on fire. Right. <laughs> yes. And then, and, then, and, then, and then those eight hours on the weekend are dedicated to that. Yeah. No, that's, and then no, you just that's, walk away. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, what's the, so what's the thing? So what's the, the latest project that has hit the street that we got to tell everybody about? Uh, 
I have, I have two. So I'll tell you uh, two things. One, I have a documentary called "I Hate You, But It's Killing Me," <sighs> and uh, and it really focuses on individuals that have hated someone that they know. And I, and I was very specific about that because there's a lot of types of hate, general hate, and and hate between worlds and nations and cultures. But between two people that know each other uh, was a was something that I, I didn't find a lot of content on, and uh, and so it addresses that. And uh, did you immerse yourself in those relationships? Because that's got to be brutal, man. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I filmed 48 interviews of individuals that suffered, you know, hating their mom because they treated the other sibling better than the other and really just hated her and, and didn't want to and don't have a relationship with her for 25 years, you know, um, and won't ever talk to her again. Jeez, um, that's you know? gotta, yeah, that's and, rough. But, and it's, it's, it's simple, but it's, it's so deep and so profound. And, and how does that person treat others in their lives, you know? Is, uh, is that out? Where can people find that? So it's uh, it's being sold right now. So it's uh, that's I'm putting it out, but it's yeah. not out yet. Okay. And then I've got a film called American Skin, which uh, that's a feature film, and that deals with uh, police brutality and uh, and race relations in America. Um, and hey, you had that, been working on that one before George Floyd, and hadn't you? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's yep. been a project. Yeah, well, I made been... it in 2019, and then. And then we sold it beginning of the year and we were going to release, but uh, we were releasing, it's a theatrical, uh, doing a big theater release. And so we were releasing in, in June, which got paused. And so we pushed it now and we pushed it three or four times. And now I believe we're currently uh, planning on releasing in January, January uh, 15th, I believe it is. So that's on, theatrical. That's not, document, that's not a documentary. That's a feature film and that's okay. a theatrical in the theaters. Um, okay. Yeah. Is, uh, is that with Nate? Yeah, so that's uh, written and and directed and starring uh, uh, a brilliant creative named Nate Parker, yeah. and uh, and an individual named Omari Hardwick, and Theo Rossi and Bo Knapp. Those are the four. Uh, There's some big hitters, man. Yeah, really great, great cast. And uh, I'm and gonna. Very powerful. I'm gonna... And, I, and I have a whole campaign built around that, a, a, with you know police training in equity and equality and. Uh, it's it's also has a campaign tied to it. Awesome. I am going to uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to talk to my wife. I'm going to have her put on her uh, her best eighth grade uh, Letterman sweater, and we are going to head to the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for a little for a little for a little nostalgia. Top top of field. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep the marriage lively, man. That's, That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> Oh uh, man, and Luke. and I want to catch the last one because I, I I want and there was one you referenced before. And, or was and it you Mully? Can say, you can say, you know, honey, I've never done this in a mask. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one you mentioned? Was it Mully? It is. It's called Mully. M U L L Y, and that's okay. a documentary. And I'm actually doing a a major re-release of that uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, we're investing a, a large amount of money to do a remarketing campaign to release it globally for free. Uh, and, and right now, we, about three years ago, we did a theatrical release and then released it domestically and did a lot of promotion for that. And it's been available in the U.S. and Canada, and, uh, but it hasn't been available um, globally and, uh, and for free. So 
Um, we're going to push it in a number of ways throughout. And we're doing a podcast tour. We're actually going to do uh, 40 podcasts. Maybe they can come on this uh, podcast. Um, sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, only, I'm taking the director, uh, Scott Hayes, and and the gentleman, uh, Charles Moley, who is then who is uh, who the movie's about, and um, and his journey of uh, being an orphan to becoming a multimillionaire to giving it all away to rescue street children, and he's rescued over uh, thirteen thousand children. Yeah, uh, I want, is that, can I? Is that available now, or do I have to yeah, wait until everywhere? No, that's available now. Um, cool. On Amazon Prime, um, oh, on our website. And, right. uh, and on iTunes, all around, and in DVD, Walmart, Barnes and Noble, it's available. Cool. That's all right, it. I'm gonna look that one up it's for sure. Yeah, it is. that's a life changer. It inspires you to do one more thing for others than you were gonna be doing anyway. It, it's so hard to find those kind of really, I, and that's what I look for. I look for, you know, we look for the stories that were like, oh, where's the documentary that's, you know, just a not necessarily a feel good story, but inspirational. You know, they, they're yeah, not this, as easy to come by. As this you is think. that. Yeah, well, it's not. Even my, you know. The hate documentary is very heavy. You know, you're you're moved. You, you learn a lot and you see how other people overcame something. But it's it doesn't like Molly inspires like you. You leave feeling great. And, you know, sometimes it can make you feel bad for not doing, you know, what someone good did. This was has seemed to have the effect of not doing that at all. It really just inspires you to to join helping Others. Yeah, I've, I've really seen it. It, it. You're right. I've watched the whole thing. It's it's true. It's not one of those. See, you should be doing more. It's it's yeah. more like, oh, look, you could, if you wanted to, and it, it yeah. could be pretty pretty significant, you know. But it's uh, yeah, putting yeah. that on my list. Very yeah. cool. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, and, Lucas. Uh, oh yeah, go when, ahead. Uh, how can I listen to uh, where where do we find this the podcast? Oh. Where do you find this podcast? Wherever oh, you yeah. get your podcast, brother. Drive. Um, you can come to my house. It's usually <laughs> kept there. Um, you still have a hard uh, yeah. drive. Email it to you. Uh, <laughs> it's, on all, it's on all the stuff, right? It's on Apple, Apple Spotify. Uh, podcast, Spotify. Uh, um, iHeartRadio. Wherever you get your yeah. podcast. Hey. We're everywhere, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because this is the best pandemic ever. It's absolutely yes, it amazing. It absolutely Beep is. Pep. That's right. Well, that's our that's our internal call sign for it but we we never use that externally yeah that's oh they yeah. will they, they will. one day they will one day oh, they yeah. will yeah who they are we still don't know but after no. you make the feature <laughs> film on us lucas everyone will know and on everyone that note, <laughs> yeah all right so check it out i'm gonna take us out because we've been rocking and rolling here we might just have to have lucas back on i don't know i mean you know he seems kind of important so, I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah, anyways, I, I hate you, but it's killing me is really, I mean, there's a whole, I mean, I could have just kept going on talking about negative energy and being immersed in all that. That's just, yeah. So maybe, I, we, maybe might we have, should we have, might have, have another show about that. Too. Yeah. It's to really, yeah, yeah, let's dive into some of these specific share, share that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's good stuff. That was a cool journey that that was the last two years of my life making it. So I definitely could speak on the experience of making it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, but thanks for having me, guys, and great to hear it. hear what you're doing. And thank you for bringing light into the world and uh, and and pointing out the positive and the silver linings in uh, in our current state of affairs. I don't know that we've ever been thanked for that, Paul. But uh, I'm gonna take that. No, one away. most people leave angry. Most yeah. people leave angry. <laughs> <laughs> like, why did I waste my time with yeah. these idiots? <laughs> no. Nah. Well, I'll take us out here. 
Guys, everybody listening, uh, thank you for listening to this show. And uh, you're welcome for, you know, listening to this show because we had a great guest on today. Uh, we have great guests on every time. It's uh, always like a thousand times better than just me and Paul going on and on and on. <laughs> I mean, Paul and I like to listen to ourselves talk, but you know what? Best. Yeah, that doesn't really carry. So anyway, uh, if you have not subscribed to the show, I'd like you to take two seconds and subscribe to the show. Go ahead. We'll wait. Okay, great. Now that that's out of the way, uh, you need to pass this episode, pass this entire show on to your friends, to your family, to your enemies. Try not to have as many enemies. Right, This show will definitely bridge that divide. But uh, as always, we thank you for listening. Uh, if you would be so kind as to give us a rating, ideally five stars. We're going to take this one from a playbook from another podcast we've heard where you don't even have to like the show. We'd just like to have five stars. You can tell us we're idiots. Just give us five stars. We'd really appreciate that. We're learning. But uh, as always, thank you so much. Uh, stay tuned for us next week. We've got more uh, more interviews coming up, more, uh, uh, more great conversations, and we'll certainly have Lucas back on the show. So thanks, everybody. Thank you, Lucas, for taking the time. Thanks, Lucas. Absolutely. Thank you.